0: There's a lot of discussion about whether or not you need to be in the workplace, to be your best as an employee and as a person, and does the company need you there? I mean, there's it's and it's a hot debate. Malcolm Gladwell, one of Canada's great thinkers and authors, and he's got a podcast that is fantastic, uh, Revisionist History, um, got himself... Well, in the center of a controversy, because some people agree with him and others don't. And and that's the the point. But he was on this podcast talking about this return to work discussion. And he said, quote, if you're just sitting in your pajamas in your bedroom, is that the work life that you want to live? We want you to have a feeling of belonging and to feel necessary. And if you're not here, it's really hard to do that. Now, a lot of people jumped right back and said, are you crazy? Come on. But There's an argument to be made on both sides. We're going to have a discussion now with Dr. Elaine Chin, who is the founder of Executive Health Centre. Her latest book is Welcome Back, How to Reboot Your Physical and Mental Well-Being for a Post-Pandemic World. Uh, Dr. Chin, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me on your show. It's a really interesting discussion. And like I said, there are a number of different viewpoints on this. But when we talk about a return to the office, um, let's go through the the, the pros and the cons. If we're going to draw up a list in terms of the cons and why some people don't want to go back, there are some people who who are not ready to say this pandemic is over, right? They still have, in many ways, legitimate concerns about the virus itself.
1: Absolutely. That's a good place to start. And even if the virus isn't going to, quote, kill us anymore, I think what people don't recognize is the unconscious bias that there's still some fear. Um, And I would call it a type of post-traumatic stress disorder that maybe I'm going to go back to work and the person beside me um, might get COVID. And I don't know, maybe the next round is going to make me sicker and I'll be the one that has the short end of the stick and get really sick and maybe end up in the hospital and get long COVID. Mm -hmm. Or um, I might have had COVID once and if I haven't again, I'm going to get long COVID again. And then there's the the purebreds. It's like, all right, um, I might be strong, but if I give it to somebody else and they have somebody that's weak and frail at home, did I kill that person? So that's the COVID uh, experience, like the bug itself. And then as you've alluded to, um, there are other practical things now about commutes. We used to make it a part of our lifestyle, but it was never a healthy lifestyle. Um, I would say out west, there's less traffic in certain cities than uh, where I am located in Toronto, though um, the traffic's nowhere near the way it used to be. And the recent inflationary experiences and truly the lack of options for interesting lunches are all gone, right? So True. it costs us more. And I, I think everybody will say, what do I go back to work for and how do I go back to work? And do I need new clothes and how do I behave? Do I handshake, do I fist bump? Um and, and the question we need to answer before we go back to work full time in an office is why? So that's the Kind of questions, so i just start it there to give you back some space around asking me some more things about well, which way we want to go with this conversation.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a really good point. There's a there's a lot of reasons that people can make an argument on both sides of this. I guess if let's let's take it from the other side and not necessarily mm-hmm. the employee, but the employer taking a look mm-hmm. at this. And you you know, uh, wh- where what's their drive to get people to come back? The companies that are pushing for that, what do they see as the upside to to having people in the building?
1: So for those who are business bugs um, and interested in the data, McKinsey just uh, published an article in July talking about social capital. That's different from human capital, financial learning, things like that. Social capital means that you need to create connections yeah. to improve productivity because you'll trust the other person beside you to, if you know them better, and you speak to them enough that you'll know who's going to do what implicitly to some degree. Uh, just like in your radio show, I'm sure implicitly you know that some of your team members will get it done because for sure. you know them, right? You're yeah. in the studio with them. Um, and with so much change over the last two years with teams, the bonding does matter, right, for creativity. The bonding does. Now, if you're in a cubbyhole before and we know there's different jobs that are like that, and you're in customer service staring at a computer all day and night anyways with a headset on, now how much value are you adding to the social connection conversation? Now I'll pause there because the social connection also is important for mental health. And not many people like me to compare human genetics to chimpanzees and apes, but we're a descendant from them. And if you've ever gone to the zoo, you'll see that chimpanzees are extremely social human – sorry, very social beings, right? And we need each other beyond our family and our pets to thrive, to grow, to learn from others, right? Mm -hmm. to to see other people's opinions, because we can shut that off, we don't like we put on mute
0: (laughs) or or turn
1: off the Zoom altogether.
0: I'm a walking example of that, where I, I, I know full well how beneficial it is for me to go back to work simply because of the things that you're talking about, because I don't have an internal drive for that. And I get that from the people that I work with and the guests that I talk to and things like that, that really enrich my life, where otherwise I'd very quickly slip into the other side of that. So I fully understand what you're saying. It seems to me, Doc, that what we're talking about, like you're saying, different companies have different drives and they have different needs. Different employees have different drives and different needs. It's going to be a hybrid, right? That's what we have to have is that flexibility.
1: Yes, I I think that's where it's going to end up now. And unless another traumatic experience happens, I think that's where we're going to be. We're going to land in hybrid. Yeah. And I think it makes sense um, because it's just not every day we need to uh, see each other every day and we'll say that we'll say this if if our children go away to school which mine did for many last couple of years in university i think we have a better relationship when we see each other once in a while mm-hmm. than when he was in high school locked up in his room with his <laughs> friends right and if do you have any um Children. I
0: have I have an 18 year old and I have a 21 year old, so I know oh, exactly you what you're so talking about. we're
1: in the same about. bucket, right? So um, as a mom, it's like, oh, we be like, are you serious? You're still hungry, right? I know. I know. Now, if you have you see people and you haven't seen them in a while, it becomes a positive experience in the interaction, and you and you kind of reflect and you share new experiences and. In a world that you are in, in communications, and in the world that we're in, that we're talking about, which is the business environment and the troubles we're having globally, right, um, that we keep listening to the things we agree with and we forget to listen to the things that we should disagree with. Yeah. The only way this is going to happen is to have occasionally uncomfortable conversations.
0: I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all works out. But the one thing I think we should we should remove from this, Doctor, is the discussion like Malcolm Gladwell saying, we need you to feel belonging and necessary so you can be a contributing member to the team. We learned through the pandemic, you can be a contributing member of the team without sitting in an office for or in a cubicle for eight hours a day, right? We've proven that.
1: Yes absolutely. I think um, that the data is also objective right we We can get our jobs done and maybe even more like work harder than we did when yeah, we were yeah. sitting at a desk I think the water cooler can kill thirty minutes of your day very easily <laughs> um, and go down to the the lobby to get to get a coffee and yeah. line up for thirty minutes right um, so Malcolm, I think what he's saying, and it's very much um, another model to say that in order for you to um, feel worthy you need other people to tell you you're worthy and it can be done without you having to go to the workplace and this is where I think the 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 conversation has to go from we, we can't just create a social environment but it needs to physically be um, um, thought out Mm-hmm. An intent to, and there's an intent. Yes. In terms of when you bring somebody back to the work with other colleagues, there's an intention to network socially uh, for a productive reason, uh, and not to have everybody come back so they go back into their cubicles.
0: That's the point. That that, that absolutely, Dr. Chin, I think that's that's the key takeaway. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you being here today.